have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! What's up, everybody? You're listening to Fanalyst.pod. Sean Ramachandran here with you, joined by Yash Doshi and Rohan Naranjan on yet another NBA podcast. Today, we're talking about that insane free agency that we had offseason, you could say. Um, didn't expect it to be this crazy, I'd say, guys, based on how the free agency class was. I mean, NBA free agency is one of the more fun times of the NBA calendar year. I think it's just so exciting to see all this player movement, these teams changing. And, you know, the outlook on the next NBA season is a lot more clear after free agency. So we can talk about some of these moves, what teams got better, what teams got worse. But Rohan, like, what are your thoughts overall on the free agency that you've seen so far? Yeah, I agree. I think that you know, definitely free agency is one of the most interesting times in the NBA offseason for sure. Uh, especially the last couple of years, I think a lot more players are requesting out, you know, wanting trades. Um, there's a lot more player movement from team to team, you know, not just teams, re- players resigning with the teams they originally were with. So I think it's been a lot more fun in these last like two, three years. And, and this year is no different. So Rohan, you mentioned, um, you know, players wanting out this and that. I just want to briefly touch up on the subject of, you know, free agency is now basically over. Um, and we know that, you know, Team USA concluded their run last night, winning the gold medal. So congrats to them. But now these engine ships shifts back to Portland with Damian Lillard. Do you believe that the Blazers in general have done enough to keep him around. You know, I think their most notable move this offseason was honestly just re-signing uh, Norman Powell. So I feel that the Blazers really do have a true number two option. Um, and I, I am going to take Norman Powell over CJ McCollum based on the way the last two seasons have been going for the two of those guys um, as an option behind Damian Lillard. But um, I mean, my short answer, which I believe that you guys would probably agree with, is that this team hasn't done enough and I think that it's just a matter of time that Dame Dame time ends in Portland, you could say. Yeah, I think for sure uh, the Blazers have not done enough to satisfy Dame's you know, requests, especially in the offseason. I think that the management should be worried that it's a very real possibility that Dame Lillard can request a trade. You know, back, like, what was it? I think last month when we all thought that Dame was going to request out uh, during that interview, during the Team USA practice, he ended up not requesting out, but he made it very clear in his interview that he would very like reevaluate his decision depending on how free agency went and what offseason moves the Blazers can make. And, you know, they didn't really get anyone big. They got Cody Zeller, who's a good backup center, but I don't think it's anything. It's not a, it doesn't move the needle. Same with Tony Snell and Ben McAmore, who they also signed. So you hear these three names, and I'm like, this isn't something which is going to propel uh, the Blazers to a championship. You did say that they re-signed Norman Powell. Uh, but I thought that was expected. I think that they need to trade CJ McCollum sometime before the season starts, kind of to get more assets for this team. Um, obviously, that tandem of McCollum and Lillard has not worked out uh, within these last few years. And I think it's just time to move on from that experiment. So unless they do something big with that McCollum trade, I don't see Damian Lillard being happy. And I think it's a very real possibility that he, that he could ask out before the season starts. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. Firstly, shout out to Damian Lillard. He's a Olympian gold medalist, but now 
it's time to look at like his future with the Blazers and I wouldn't be surprised if he does decide to stay with them because of his loyalty and if the Blazers decide to move for move forward with the Dame and not CJ McCollum they move CJ McCollum out for a few assets like Rohan just talked about you have Norman Powell for five more years Ben McLemore actually might be kind of an underrated signing I think he could play a kind of that sixth man role for the Blazers coming off the bench he's a good scorer he played well for the Rockets I think they're absolutely not a championship contender, but depending on who they can trade CJ McCollum for, they can make a run for like, you know, a top five, six seed in the Western Conference. I, I just don't see them being a championship contender right now. But at the same time, all that being said, I also would not be surprised if Damian Lillard decides that, okay, this is this is it. I need to f- focus on my future, my career. My time in Portland has kind of come to an end. They haven't done the moves that I want to see them done. So if you request a trade in the next week or so, you know, look, look out for that. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he goes either way. Just, just real quick. I just want to say that, you know, if like, yeah, Yashi were saying that this is enough to be a top five, top six seed, but it's not enough to be a championship contender. So what um, incentive does Lillard have to stay? You know, like, I think that if he believes that they're not going to be even close to contending for a championship, there's no point in him staying. Yeah, I think the only incentive is his loyalty, you know, like Damian Lillard. I keep, I keep saying loyalty, 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 because like that's in Damon Lillard's blood and that's something that he really does embody. That's the only reason he's still in Portland. That's the only reason he doesn't like thumb has, thumb his nose at management. They do have a new coach, so some there are some changes being made in like the Portland um, Trailblazers organization. So maybe that makes a difference, but besides that loyalty factor the winning side of things i just don't see um damian lillard winning much in portland yeah i mean well he did say where we are isn't good enough and based on those signings with tony snell cody zeller ben McElmore, like none of those guys are really like true starters so i guess somebody really needs to check on dame for that but um moving on um it's it's no surprise if dame would want out based on the way that free agency has gone in the West and the most notable team that we spoke about in the last got too is the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, of course, after the Russell Westbrook trade, I know that you guys talked about spacing. You talked about this, that it's not going to work. And I told you, let's wait after free agency and look at where the Lakers are now. I mean, they solved a lot of their problems. Props to the Lakers. It feels like they have unlimited cap space and unlimited roster spots because I remember there was like a two-day span where it seemed like every free agent was just signing with the Lakers. But the Lakers honestly did very, very well. I think their most underrated signing was Malik Monk. They got him for the minimum, which is a shock because Malik Monk went on record saying, I think last season that he wanted to quote unquote bet on himself. And then he goes and signs with the minimum for the Los Angeles Lakers. So I don't know how that's really betting on yourself, but a chase that chase that ring Malik, and he can be a very good scorer for the Lakers. So they have a lot of other signings. They brought Dwight Howard back. They brought, um, they brought Carmelo from the Blazers. So they have a lot of vets. Now their team just got a lot older, how that's going to affect like the spacing on the team. I, I think it'll help, but it's not going to solve all of their problems. But I'm not I'm not going to say that the Lakers aren't that top four team that I did last podcast. They're still now probably in the top one, uh-huh. two, or three seed. Oh, yeah, okay, I okay. <laughs> I had to change it up after because I was about to, I was I was honestly going to loop back around to you and say last time you said they weren't a top five team. You yeah. couldn't name me five teams that were better. 
but um yeah I, I definitely can't name you five teams that are better now okay so yeah. wait so you're saying top three right now I, I i think so i mean the only caveat is that they are really old so i i think injury concern is a very real possibility i don't okay. want lakers fans going out and saying oh we got injured so this doesn't count no when you get an old team that is the risk that you're taking there's a risk that carmelo is going to decline there's risk that lebron or ad might get injured there's a risk that russell is just going to keep declining so but like the there thing, is that risk the thing is though with this lakers team that like i'm seeing is that i understand that they're old but the way that I see is that they have so many guys that can make plays and they, they don't need to play more than 20 minutes a night. If you're not Russ, AD or LeBron, I don't think any of these guys are going to be playing 20 minutes a night consistently. Um, and that's where the Lakers kind of experiment with who they kind of like in each lineup and how they're going to do everything. And I think that the fact that these guys aren't going to be able to floor as much I just feel that they have longevity as the season progresses because less chance of injuries, almost like a team load management, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that I agree. I feel like I'm, I feel better about the Lakers chances going forward after this free agency. Obviously they got like, you know, some veterans like Trevor Reza, Wayne Ellington um, who can help out with the shooting. Uh, I don't know if it'll be enough, honestly, but uh, one signing that I'd like to talk about is Kendrick Nunn, who I thought I thought was the Lakers' best signing um, going forward. I said in the last podcast, the Lakers need another ball handler who can kind of take some of that offensive pressure off of LeBron, especially when he plays, you know, that point forward role. I think Kendrick Nunn is a perfect person for the situation. He's really, like, brought up his career ever. Like, he started in the G League with the Warriors, and now, you know, he played – great minutes in the bubble for the heat uh even even in the postseason last year he was a critical piece for this heat team i think that he's just going to do the same thing on this lakers team he has lebron and ad as mentors now who can you know just skyrocket his career and i think he's going to be a critical piece for this lakers team but one signing i didn't like was kent Bazemore, who as everyone knows was on my team the warriors last season and the basketball iq on that dude is just sometimes at a complete negative. He shot 40% from three with the Warriors, but I think that's just purely based off of the gravity of Steph Curry. You know, he got a lot of those open shots, which he did end up hitting, but he's he's not good at bringing the ball up. He turns over the ball a lot, makes a lot of dumb fouls. So hopefully LeBron can control him in that sense, but I didn't like that signing personally. Just one thing about Kendrick Nunn. We... I think all of us think of him as a very young guy because he really burst onto the scene two or three years ago with the Heat, but he is 26 years old. He is one of those older young guys. So I I don't think he's going to get that much better as a Laker because usually around 26, 27, 28, that's when you start to hit your prime and you're kind of entering your maturity as a basketball player. So I think Kendrick Nunn is at like his peak where he's a very quality bench player, maybe a fringe starter. I don't think he's going to do much more than that. But yeah, I think he's a very, very good signing for the Lakers. That was completely out of the blue. I didn't see them signing Kendrick Nunn at all, but he's one of their better signings this offseason as well. Yeah, honestly, it's safe to say that Kendrick Nunn is probably their most dark horse signing. Um, because again, like all these other guys, like it's not it's not like we expected Malik Monk to go on a vet minimum, anything like that. But it's just like, the way that these guys play and the the ceiling that Kendrick Nunn has, I believe, is a bit higher than any of these other guys. And um, Malik Monk, especially too, like I think I think it's fair enough to mention his name too because with 
AD, LeBron, and Russ, like that really opens the floor for Malik Monk to like, like have a lot of mismatches offensively. Um, defensively, I think we we all kind of spoke about how his basketball IQ in general is not where it could be, at least on defense. Um, like he has his days where he's he could like hop in on the steal, get a block here and there, but um, other days, you know, he's completely misreads things. So if he can just fix his defensive presence a bit more, he has the ability to, I don't want to say be a starter, but definitely get like some serious minutes down the stretch. So like you said, you think Kendrick Nunn has better potential than Malik. Malik is 23, Kendrick Nunn is 26. So do take that in yeah. account. Where do you think Kendrick Nunn's like ceiling is? And where do you see Malik Monk's ceiling? So if this makes sense no, in the weirdest way possible, it's more of like, Malik Monk as a player has more of a ceiling, but I think just for the sake of the Lakers system and the way that they're going to be running things, I think Kendrick Nunn has a higher ceiling because LeBron, AD, and Russ can do whatever Malik Monk can and probably better too. The thing is that Kendrick Nunn offers what they need, which is shooting. And I think he can consistently do that. You know, I think I believe shot around 49% from the field last year and just under 40% from three. Um, so Mal- Malik he, shot 40% on not, five not, not, a game. not Malik, not Malik. No, I know, Kendrick I know. Nunn. I'm saying like Malik shot better from three than Kendrick Nunn did. I understand that, but I just don't see him being okay. like, Fair. like I, I see Kendrick Nunn taking more threes than Malik Monk this season for the Lakers. Like, honestly, like, like that's just the way that I see this team operating. Um, obviously that's subject to change. I just see Carmelo Anthony mainly also being the other guy that's attempting those threes. Um, because again, like you, like you said, spacing, I think still could be an issue for sure. But when those, you know, LeBron, AD, Russ, they all on the floor together, they're just crowding up that paint. Like if you have the fourth guy on Carmelo Anthony on a three from a corner or wherever it is, like, I'll, I'll take, that. I'll take that. Yeah. The thing I like about the Lakers, especially in this last couple of years, ever since, you know, Kobe exited and LeBron kind of like took over that torch, they're able to provide like that veteran presence to some of the younger guys like you said Kendrick Nunn Malik Monk who might not be as experienced uh in like big game situations and they're able to like mentor them through the playoffs you know improve their shooting like the intangibles just goes a long way and now they brought back both Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard who I thought were great veteran signings for this team you know I I I felt that the Lakers really missed Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee last year um when they had Andre Drummond they weren't able to get you know that inside presence that they really thought they could get with Drummond. And I think that bringing back Dwight Howard solves that immediately. But uh, if you're a Lakers fan, you should feel a lot better about this team going forward uh, after free agency. So now like to put the Lakers team in a perspective in the West, where do you guys see them compared to the rest of the West? You, you guys know how I feel about that Lakers team and they're probably top three, but I'm not fully sold on them yet because of some spacing issues. But what are your guys' thoughts comparing them to like the Clippers? Actually, they don't have Kawhi, but the Jazz, the Suns, the Warriors, the Mavericks, where do you guys see them fitting in? I think- I'm in, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. I think they're easily a top five team. I think there's no question about that now, especially after free agency. You could argue, even before free agency, I was- not like Yash, I, w- I was like still are still saying that they were a top five team in the West, but now I think it's solidified that they're easily a top five team. I would go as far as say they're top three. Maybe I'd put them over the Jazz. Um, and I think just the Clippers, just based off that Kawhi injury, I'm very hesitant to put the Clippers in that top three range. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and I think that, you know, to say that 
Clippers free agency in general wasn't like amazing and re-signing Kawhi was expected, but again, he's a non-factor down the stretch. Like Rohan would say a lot of the time, non-factor. Um, but basically like that's, that's just how the Clippers are looking right now. Like um, I, it would not be a surprise to me if the Clippers could be sitting just outside of that like fifth seed somewhere in the sixth spot and just a bit lower just because regular season wise, I don't think they're going to fare well. They're a team that can come alive in the playoffs when they got everyone healthy, they have the potential to go to the conference finals. But again, it's just like this, the Lakers somehow they always have their way against the Clippers when, when it matters the most. All right. Like I think that's a known thing. And I think Yash Yields said it, this is a great time to transition to the Golden State Warriors um, in terms of being a threat to the Lakers because they got Clay Thompson coming back. Again, no team has that big of a player coming back. And if I want to, I know this sounds like a stretch, but if he is just half the player that he is, that could help Golden State so much. And I still believe that that puts them in the top five area because Steph, if, it, if it's not Kevin Durant, I still think Steph, Steph's probably the best player in the world, honestly. But you can say he's the best player in the West, um, the way that he played last season. So if he if he puts up similar numbers to that, um, of course, they got Andre Iguodala back. I know you both are pumped for that. Um, if he's in the right system, I there's no reason why he can't thrive. He knows how to win. He knows how to lock down teams defensively, like their best player. I will, I will go to that extent. That's not saying that Andre Iguodala is like the best defender in the league, but in Golden State, he is up there. You know, with Draymond Green on the back end, him on the perimeter, um, Steph and I mean, Clay is a phenomenal perimeter defender as well. So I think that if any team can come and and put, you know, a little stop to the Lakers Cinderella story here that they're trying to brew up to get to that title, it's it's going to be the Warriors. Yeah, and on, honestly, to take that even one step further, we saw Kevin Durant's return from that Achilles injury, and we can say that he's almost the same old Kevin Durant, if not like maybe 85 to 90% of the old. I think medical technology has really reached the point where even an Achilles injuries doesn't debilitate someone's career so that Klay Thompson probably could be 85, 90% of the old Klay Thompson. And if he can defend for even like 75% of what he used to be, because I think that Achilles and the ACL tear will take away some of that lateral quickness. But if Klay Thompson is 75% or 80% of his old self, now you add in Iggy, you add in Kaminga, Moses Moody, you add in a year more of Wiseman. I think the Warriors are an actual threat in the West now to not only like win the West, but win an actual championship. And that's like me as trying to be as unbiased as possible. I know there's a little bit of bias there, but, and now that they re-signed Steph for five, four more years, so he has five years total on his contract now. He, it shows management that Steph's there for a long, a lot more time. It shows other free agents and other like veterans that Steph's committed to this franchise or committed to winning. So coming, coming down the road this season, next season, the Warriors are really in a prime position to make another push for another ring, maybe another two more rings if they can pull it off. Yeah, I was actually very pleasantly surprised with the Warriors free agency. Um, I was a little worried after the first day, you know, they lost out on some big names like Nicholas Batum and Patty Mills. I was like, oh, my God, is this team just not going to make any moves like they didn't do at the trade deadline? Um, but they ended up getting a couple of quality signings in Otto Porter Jr., uh, Nemanja Bielitsa, and Andre Iguodala, obviously. Um, so I think these are just three very underrated names that this team can use going forward. Obviously, Otto Porter uh, especially has not been healthy these last three years. But you can make an argument that he 
like pre like 2017, 2018, Otto Porter was a better player than current Andrew Wiggins. Um, and I think that, you know, I may, might be a hot take. I think that that's, that's what I think um, Otto Porter was during those two seasons. So the hope is that he can be healthy and return to this team. You know, sometimes when you're on a terrible team, like he was on the Bulls and the Magic, and you have a bad back, you're like, you know, I'm screw this. I'm like, I'm not playing for the shitty team. Like with my injuries, I'm going to use this season to rehab. And I would, I'm hoping in my mind that that's what Otto Porter did in these last couple of years. So, and he can, he's willing to, you know, come in and be a veteran contributor for this team. Uh, moving on to Bielitsa, I think this is a perfect situation for the Warriors and for him. He's a very, you know, like he's not really a great, he's not a great defender, but he's like a very good shooter. And I think Warriors really need to, to surround Steph and Clay with shooting compared to what they did last year, where it was just Steph getting triple teamed, double teamed at the half court line. Um, and, you know, just no one else on the team cutting, you know, taking the slack. Um, and making those shots. And finally, we move on to Iguodala. We all know what Iguodala's presence was on the 2015 you know, to 2018 like championships that the Warriors had. You know, he's a veteran leader, great defender, um, not the best shooter, but I think he can come in and deliver some shots for this team. He knows his role in the team and the rest of the team knows it. He just needs to do exactly what he did um, and replicate that magic that he did for the Warriors during their championship run. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this team. I think they cut a lot of their dead losses such as Kent Bazemore and Alan Smilogic too and oh and Kelly Oubre um so I'm yeah yeah I'm yeah hope, I'm hopeful for this team I think they can be a top five team in the west just something I want to say real quick Sean like I think that's what makes the Warriors so dangerous next year is that we saw Steph drop 32 on crazy efficiency being triple teamed imagine Clay being back you had Bielitsa you take away some of that dead weight from like shooters who Kelly Oubre was like an abysmal shooter for a good chunk of the season. You add in those shooters, you give Steph even more spacing. Imagine how dangerous he can be. Add spacing the ball, spacing the floor, sorry, passing the ball. Now you get a team that kind of resembles the old Warriors. Not like the Kevin Durant Warriors, but yeah. like the 2015 Warriors. I mean, let's not let's not forget that team that team went 73-9 without KD. So I've I've always said it. KD was never a need for the Warriors. He was a want. He was a want. So um, the thing is, you believe me, you guys do not need to convince me that the Warriors are going to be great. Um, I've, I've seen that in the West, you know, who's being an OKC Thunder fan, like, you, you know, which teams are good, you just know, um, which teams are always going to contend every single year. And like, there's, there's no reason why the Warriors are not going to be a great team. Um, the thing that is, is kind of, you know, holding me back a bit for being this team as a I don't want to say a title contender just yet. I just feel that the Lakers on paper look better because um, I think the Warriors' success is all dependent on how well Andre Iguodala can still continue to play and as well as Klay Thompson's health. Um, that's honestly the two things that it's going to come down to. And um, it's, it's honestly a topic that we can certainly revisit during the season, depending on how that kind of, you know, progresses. But um, quite frankly, Golden State, um, there's there's no reason why they wouldn't be a top five team in the West in my mind in the regular season. I, I, I agree. I think there's a few teams in the West that can really compete next year. I think the Lakers probably had that line. The Warriors are up there as well. So it's going to be a dogfight yeah. in the West. But for the first time in a very long time, I think the East is actually going to be more competitive or harder to win than the West. Like I said it, it's going to be tough because there's so many more there's so many more teams 
Yeah, no, I think I think about the Nets, the Sixers, the Knicks, the Bulls. There's the Bucks, of course, the defending champions. Right, right. his thoughts. Heat, the Heat too. Yeah, the Heat too. Yeah, so I mean, honestly, like I'm just I I think the Bulls had the best free agency, arguably, of 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 the NBA offseason so far because I understand the Lakers added the quantity of players. Um, the Warriors, I guess you could look objectively and say, oh, Clay's coming back. So overall, their offseason looking pretty solid, the way things are shaping up. But just strictly based on free agency, it's very safe to say I think that the Chicago Bulls had the most quality worth free agency. You know, um, you know, we were just talking about the Lakers, their most notable departure, Alex Caruso, who's coming to Chicago. Again, that can't kind of came out of nowhere. There was really no buzz around the Bulls or Caruso. So that was pretty um, interesting to see. And then, um, of course, Lonzo Ball, a huge move for him. Um, it's it's nice to see him actually choose his team this time. He was traded to the Pelicans the first time he's been a free agent. So the fact that he's chosen his team, we know that Lonzo, he's not the best shooter, but his basketball IQ is basically off the charts offensively. He is really, really smart, and in the right system, he can really thrive. Um, so that's a great signing for them. And then, of course, I think I think one of the most favorite signings of free agency, DeMar DeRozan. Um, this guy can, he's, again, like we were talking about how he's just so, so good in the mid-range. I think that it is so arguable. Like, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to go to this extent, but I'm just saying if the Bulls and the Nets play each other, um, I'm not saying the Bulls by any means would win a best of seven series, but if DeRozan is hot, like I'm saying, like really hot, like he can keep hitting the mid range whenever he wants to, and he can go bask bucket for bucket with KD. It's only when KD starts hitting those threes, and if he's playing KD level, then DeRozan level can't keep up with that. But, but just for the sake of saying, if DeRozan is hot, dude, like it's it's gonna be tough. Just just based off of like their off season, this is like my dark horse you know, to like make an upset, make a run in the playoffs, just based off of their offseason. I think they've obviously, you know, we, you talked about all the moves, Sean, just phenomenal signings. Um, all are with, to their already, um, you know, decent, I don't want to say stack team, but they do have, you know, Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic, who, you know, they, they got Vucevic at that trade deadline. And we were talking about, you know, can this team make somewhat of like a small run in the playoffs? Um, obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, but I think that we were, I remember we, I clearly remember we were talking about how this team is going to be better next year for sure. After, you know, they have a full season of like a training camp and off season with Vucevic. And now they've had Lonzo Ball, Alex Crusoe, you know, Daniel Tice and DeRozan. So, you know, this lineup for the Bulls is going to be insane. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not like a surprise that this team can be a top four team in, in the East. Um, Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I think I agree with both of you. I don't know if I consider the Bulls dark horse contenders because it's like pretty obvious that they probably made the most roster changes and became like the biggest worst to first team in the league. The Lakers are up there for like the biggest or best offseason moves, but I think the Bulls signed Lonzo, which I was kind of expecting that to happen. I called it a few podcasts back because he's such a perfect fit in that system. They out Vucevic at the trade deadline last year, which was, I think, a surprise to a lot of people that they really went in with that Vucevic trade. Now they got DeRozan, who, like Sean was talking about, he can be that primary guy who's scoring for you. 
you have Zach Levine already, so DeRozan doesn't need to be that guy. We saw in San Antonio last year, he actually really changed his game for the first time ever. He became a more of a point forward instead of just a power or small forward. He was passing the ball a lot more. He averaged seven assists for the first time in his career. So if Lonzo and DeRozan want to be those playmaking guards slash forwards, you have Zach Levine who can score it with the best of the people in the league. You have Vucevic down low. You Vucevic can shoot. He's a 50-40-90 guy, or he's pretty close to it. So this team has, unlike the Lakers, they have a lot of spacing. They have a lot of playmaking, and they also have depth. You have Caruso coming off the bench. You have Patrick Williams. You did give up Thad Young, which I thought was like the only big kind of loss that the Bulls had, but... They have Billy Donovan as a coach. They had the front front office full overhaul a year and a half ago. And since then, the Bulls franchise has absolutely turned it around. And this is, I think, the best roster they put together since, like, the Jordan days. I know that the um, D-Rose, Joe Kim Noah roster was really good. I, I genuinely believe that this roster can make a push in the East. I don't think they're going to get over the Nets or the Bucks, but I think in the next two to three years, if they can re-sign Zach Levine, Lonzo and Zach Levine have the potential to become one of the best backcourts in the league for sure. Wow, that's a bold statement though. Like, I mean, but it's it's tough for me to not blatantly disagree with your take that this could be the best roster since the MJ days. And so that's 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 pretty that's pretty huge for Chicago basketball in general, of course. We know just what this franchise is to the NBA, but I kind of wanted to touch upon um, how, you know, just good this team could be. Like, I'm just going to spitball some numbers with you guys. Just tell me if you agree or not. I think that Vucevic and Levine could give you or like average 20 around the season, at least 20 points scoring during the season. And I think that um, DeRozan could be right under 20 around like 17 I feel and Lonzo could give you probably around 15. And that's very scary to like hear those numbers because um, I think that we we've failed to mention Kobe White is on this roster. Um, he's going to be coming off the bench, but he is he's a really, really good player, too, because um, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for DeRozan signing, Kobe White, I believe, would still have more minutes. I wouldn't want to say blatant starter, but more minutes for sure. But the fact that DeRozan's there, like it allows Kobe White to kind of like come off the bench and still be so effective. Like they have Caruso and Kobe White probably sharing minutes coming off the bench. Um, it's worth mentioning uh, Lori Markinen is probably heading out. Uh, he does want a change of scenery and I totally get it. And quite frankly, even if he's still there, I just don't see him thriving um, because there's, again, there's one basketball. This team seems like, um, a squad that's very, very good in perimeter shooting and they can drive to the basket if they need to, they can do everything and they don't really need Lori to succeed. Yeah. I think with Markin, his problem ever since he's been drafted, is just, he's, he's honestly just been unable to stay healthy. And I think that's just a huge problem for a lot of players with, you know, that untapped potential. And Markin is one of those guys. I think he can be a quality player on like another team. I don't think he's, like a you know he's not a needle mover for any team by far but if you're like someone i remember he was thinking of uh speaking with the hornets you know if you're the hornets like an up-and-coming team laurie markin can be someone who you know like helps you with that next step you know not being like a championship contender but at least getting to the playoffs first so obviously like the bulls haven't treated him well with you know his his time in the bulls just hasn't been good and i think it's just best for both parties to move on from that scenario 
Um, but you know, the Bulls aren't gonna lose sleep over losing Laurie Marketing. They've they've gotten Lonzo, Caruso, Daniel Tice, DeRozan. And I think if you're a Bulls fan, you should be very excited about this future that the team is putting together. Um, obviously, like Josh said, management has been completely revamped within the last two years. And this is a good sign of things to come in the near future. Yeah, I think actually just after Sean was listing Kobe White, Laurie Market, and I'm not going to lie, I forgot about their depth. The Bulls have so much depth. They have Kobe White, Alex Caruso, Lori Markinen, Patrick Williams, Thomas Sadoransky, Al Farouk Aminu. Like, that's a solid, solid 11-man roster that you can throw out, give 15, 20 minutes, and you would trust everyone, maybe except, like, Al Farouk Aminu. But, like, dare I say it, the Bulls are actually a scary team. Like, it's not going to be the old days where you can go into Chicago, you can go into the UC and just be like, it's a free win today. You're going to have to, it's going to be a dogfight to beef the Bulls. And even then, the Bulls can pretty much outshoot the best teams in the league they can they're, they're not the best defensive team I'm, I'm, I'm gonna throw it out there but they have playmaking they have shooting and if they can get their defense under control they have a chance to really make some noise next year in the nba yeah um i think you know we've talked a lot about the bulls for sure and i think we all agree that they're a much better team going forward but you know, the Heat have also made a lot of big moves this offseason. And I think that, you know, after that flame out against the Bucks in the first round, we were all kind of surprised that the Heat played that poorly against a team that they just straight up demolished in the season before in the bubble. Obviously, we know about that. And I think they've made a lot of good moves like Kyle Lowry, PJ Tucker. Um, you know, they extended Jimmy Butler as well. And I think that this team is just, you know, going all in. I think they, they still believe they, you know, they were in the finals, you know, a little over a year ago and they believe that they can just do it again so any thoughts about what the heat you know big moves i don't know if i missed any just speak on yeah that. uh duncan robinson as well resigned that was that was a pretty big move for them as well so um you know of course like you know we spoke about kendrick nunn and his departure and um i don't think that miami is really hurt by that because they're the ones that kind of revoked i believe their qualifying offer on him something like that so to kind of just say Hey, we something we don't want you, and we just don't need you anymore, you know. Um, and I think that this team, in a weird way, I I think they got better defensively, and um, I think that's been Miami's problem down the stretch. Um, they haven't been as good on defense. Like this team literally got swept by the Milwaukee Bucks last season, the first round. They're just not um, the same bubble team you could say as they were. Um, but the thing is that I believe putting guys like Jimmy Butler and PJ Tucker in the same locker room, like, like I've, I've advocated a lot for Jimmy Butler's mentality to be arguably the best dog killer mentality in the NBA. You know, I know he's not the best player, but his mentality, his approach to the game, he's so vocal about it that you can just see the intensity that he plays with. And I feel that PJ Tucker brings that same intensity as well. Regardless of how many minutes he gets tonight, the fact that he's, you know, a non-factor on offense um, as well, but he, his presence and his veteran presence in general is just so, so good. And you saw what he did for Milwaukee this year, just his mannerisms, the way that he acted around his teammates on the floor, off the floor, whatever's going on in the locker room, we don't know, but it just showed how he beefed up um, the locker room and the team to be like, Hey, like, like, this is it. This is the playoffs. Like you either give me your all or, you know, get the F off the court. 
Right. I, just real quick, I think uh, we forgot to talk about Oladipo, who also re-signed on a one-year deal. Obviously, he's going to be hurt, so that um, is you know dependent on this year. But I think just another big signing that we kind of missed. Yash, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that P.J. Tucker and Jimmy Butler, I think, are going to get along very well. They're both like those hard-nosed, tough guys who give it their all on the court. And Jimmy's hated the guys who really don't have work hard, you know, the Carl Anthony Towns, the Andrew Wiggins of the world. But P.J. Tucker is definitely going to fit in right into that Miami Heat culture. They gave Duncan Robinson a bag. Like, I think that's one of the bigger bags they've given a shooter. But... He, he's proven that he's already one of the best shooters, not only in the league, but in NBA history. So I think that's a good signing, honestly. If he can continue to shoot the way he has with the Heat, you have now you have Bam, Jimmy, PJ Tucker, Duncan Robinson, Victor Oladipo when he gets back from the injury. Of course, your biggest signing of the offseason, Kyle Lowry, who's going to do most of the ball handling duty. So the Heat, quietly, I, I, I hate to say it, but they have quietly probably had a very, very good off season and they can make some noise in the East as well. The Bulls, the Heat. So that's why I want to say like the East is probably more competitive than the West. It really is. I just want to say like, obviously like congrats to Duncan Robinson going from undrafted to, you know, five years, 90 million, just absolutely crazy for an undrafted player. Um, but I just want to ask, does Kyle Lowry, does the addition of Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker move the needle for the Heat, you know, past teams like the Bucks, the Sixers, you know, obviously the Nets, um, obviously, I think Calari is a great addition for this team, but is it enough? That's the question. I think that the short answer is no addition in the NBA, unless it's like a superstar addition, is going to move you past the defending champ Milwaukee Bucks or the Nets right now, just the way that the rosters look. Um, and that's that's no discredit to the Miami Heat, like the way that they've they've done their offseason or any other East team in general. It's just it's just we just have to see how these teams match up and how they look during the regular season. Um, the only thing that will beat a team like the Nets or the Bucks is going to be chemistry because those two teams are so good on paper and they are just as good on the floor as they are on paper, um, if that makes sense. And so these are all just, um, I don't want to say they're big what ifs, but it's just to me, teams like Miami, Chicago, they look like great teams and I will go to the extent that they, they can make the second round of the playoffs. I just don't see them moving past that second round depending on whoever they burst. Um, but then like, why did you like, like, see, you say that you don't think they're going to move past second round, but I feel like mm -hmm. the, the point is obviously to return to the NBA finals. And I think that they were really disappointed with the flame out last year against the Bucks. And, you know, this lineup of Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker, Bam Adebayo, I think personally is a very scary lineup just based off of names itself. You know, it's scary. It's scary, but, but okay. Then. How does it sound to you, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving? Right. <laughs> no, like, yeah. like, again, that's the thing. And then in Milwaukee, like, we, we saw what they were able to do. Like, they don't need the big names like Drew Holiday, um, Giannis, Chris Middleton. Like, the list, the list goes on over there, too. So the thing is that, like, when, when you match up against teams, like, like I, don't, I don't see the Miami Heat beating the Bucs next year. In a best of seven series, I don't see that happening. Um, against the Nets, I don't see that happening. And I will go to the extent of saying if the Bulls and the Heat play each other, I could see the Bulls take down the Heat. And again, that is no discredit to Miami's offseason. I think that they had arguably one of the better offseasons. The getting rid of Kendrick Nunn really opens the floor for Duncan Robinson to thrive as a player and thrive as a shooter. That's why they gave him the bag. That's why they keep him for five years. Um, I'm, I will say that Tyler Hero, I think he's due for a huge bounce back season. With Kyle Lowry being the ball handler, like it just opens up the floor for him. He can play off the ball a lot more. 
just be more confident in his shots and take the shots that he's that he needs to take. And I think that PJ Tucker will to bring the best out of this young court. Um, Jimmy Butler has already done what he can. They know what Jimmy Butler is going to demand from them. But to bring a second guy like PJ Tucker over there, he'll they'll take it up a notch in the locker room. And this team, again, like Yash said about the Bulls, it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a dogfight for Miami too, for sure. You know, this team has it in them to do that. Yeah, just before Yash goes real quick, I just – I've always kind of like, I like Jimmy Butler as like, you know, his intangibles and stuff. But me personally, I don't believe that he can be the best player on a championship team. Like we, yeah, we saw it in the bubble. They made the finals, but I think there's a lot of different factors that went into that bubble environment and it was just not replicated again. Um, this, you know, this last year, obviously. And, you know, he's not a top 10 player. I, I, you could say he's a top 20 player for sure, but I don't know if he can be the best player on a championship team. Just, that's just me saying that. Yeah, so I think there's a lot to unpack here. But like, firstly, I do want to address that I don't think there's a single um, team in the NBA that can really on paper compare to the Nets and that you can say they're better than the Nets. So I'm just going to put the Nets in like a separate box because when you have KD, Harden, and Kyrie, there's not a single team that even comes close. So just forget the Nets for a second. We can go to the Bulls, I mean, the Bucks and the Sixers who are also in the top three big teams in the East. And when you're comparing the Heat to those, I think they are inherently better than the Sixers, especially with the Ben Simmons trauma. You don't know where he's going to go if he resi- or if he stays with them, if he gets traded. But there's a lot of things going on in that Philly locker room that we're not sure about. When it comes to the Bucks, they did lose P.J. Tucker to the Heat. So there's a subtraction there and there's an addition here. And he was one of their best on-ball defenders. And it allowed Giannis to get a lot of rest on the defensive end, which allowed him to produce on that offensive side. I think the Bucks and the Heat are really close matched and the Bucks do have that championship DNA, the championship experience. But speaking of the chemistry that Sean was talking about, this Heat team minus Kyle Lowry did just make a finals run last season. I know you can say that it was the bubble, it was a fake run and Rohan loves to call them bubble frauds. Sure, that, that, that's, that's a different guppies, conversation. Bubble guppies, bro. <laughs> Whatever you want to call them. Now that's it's a different tra- okay. I, I remember it to be bubble frauds. <laughs> that, that's what I thought it was too, right? But, Nonetheless, they played four or three to four rounds in the NBA playoffs or won three, lost one. They had the team chemistry building up in those playoffs. It doesn't matter if you won or lost a championship, but they got to they got to be together in the bubble. So they got really tight. They got that chemistry built up. And now you add in Kyle Lowry, who's arguably one of the best Raptors of all time. He has championship yeah. DNA. He knows what he's doing on the court. He's a he knows his role. Presence. He knows exactly. his role. Exactly. And, and Sean just talked about Tyler Hero with that bounce back year, I think they got swept because Tyler Hero was the X factor that everyone overhyped after the bubble and then underhyped yeah. after they got swept. He yeah. kind of fits in between what we saw in the bubble and what we saw this season. I think he'll be better than this season, but not as good in the bubble. So now you kind of average all that out. You add Kyle Lowry in. Hopefully Oladipo can stay healthy. This team can absolutely fight tooth and nail with the Bulls, with the Bucks. Again, the Nets are just a separate conversation. If they stay healthy, I don't think anyone's beating the Nets. But for the rest of the East, the Heat can fight with any other team in the East. Yeah, I think the last point that I just wanted to touch up on with Rohan was that he said that Jimmy Butler doesn't have to be the best player um, on the floor in a championship team or he doesn't have the ability to. Um, whatever, whatever that has to do with, um, like, I agree with you. And it's because he doesn't. Like, they've put a team together. And it's honestly anybody's game at that point. Like it's, it's the same thing with the bulls. Like I can't, I can't tell you right now if the bulls make the NBA finals, who's going to win MVP, you know, is it going to be Lonzo given almost 
you know, 15 to 20 assists a night? Is it going to be DeRozan making clutch shot after clutch shot? Or is it going to be Levine being the top scorer for the team? Like, I can't, I can't tell you. Um, and that's the thing. That's the beauty in the Miami Heat and Chicago Bulls. Like, I, I guess that these two teams, are, the two teams are really focusing on because they've not only improved in the offseason, but they've put teams together. Um, and that's, that's what I really like about them. But, you know, when we talk about the Bucks and the Nets, then there's the flip side of, hey, KD is not playing like KD. They're not the same team. If Giannis is not playing like Giannis, they're not the same team. If Jimmy Butler is not playing like Jimmy Butler, that's fine. That's fine. You got, you still got Duncan Robinson. You can be a sharpshooter. Kyle Lowry can compensate in the absence of Jimmy Butler. They can still win games. And of course, we haven't talked about Bam Adebayo enough. You know, this guy, like he, he was part of the Olympic gold medal team too. Like he's, he's good. I'm not saying that he was like, you know, the best player on that team by no means, but he is definitely a top five big man in this league. Just like quickly ask a question, you guys. The way Bam has risen over the past three years, would you guys be surprised or can you guys see this happening that Bam becomes the best player on the Heat? No respect, no disrespect to Jimmy Butler. He's still a top 20 player in the league, but Bam has risen so quickly. His growth has been so great. Would you guys, can you guys see Bam becoming the best player on the Heat, their championship leader? I can't. I honestly can't. I think Jimmy Butler's easily, you know, he's definitely the leader of this team. Um, and no disrespect to Bam, he's like a phenomenal defensive player, uh, you know, one of the best centers in the league right now. But I think that just based off of, you know, Jimmy's ability, I think he's still right now at least a better player than Bam. I don't see it changing within the next calendar year. Um, I have no reason to believe so. Uh, we'll see how Bam progresses. You know, he had a great, like, you know, not great, but I think he played decently for Team USA, um, you know, these last two weeks in the Olympics. But I don't think that he's going to be a better player than Jimmy Butler this season, at least. I think that it's going to be a weird answer. I think that Bam has the ability to be the best player on the Miami Heat. But Jimmy Butler, in my eyes, will always be the most important player on the Miami Heat. Does that make sense? Because I think he kind of just makes everything kind of work over there. And without him on the floor it's a very different game. It's a very different approach that I'm sure defenses would have for this team because um, I don't know. I think J- Jimmy Butler also, he has the ability to be that ball handler too. I think that's going to be Kyle Lowry. They're going to switch things up in Miami offensively for sure, but it's just, I don't know. Th- this team looks great, but again, I will not go to the extent to say that they're going to be better than the Bucks or the Nets. Um, I think the one thing I did want to touch up on that Yash, you briefly touch up on is, you know, the Sixers. Um, the Sixers, I think that they're, they're just a huge problem right now. Um, you know, Ben Simmons, we don't know what's really going on there. There have been a lot of reports saying that he's cut off, like, all communication with the team. Um, everything's right now going through his agent, Rich Paul, from what I've heard of. Apparently, Joel Embiid reached out to him several times after the season ended. N- no contact, no returns, anything like that. So there are two things that I take from that. One is, is Ben Simmons kind of done with this team um is he kind of moving on or two he's taking his offseason extremely seriously and he's really putting in that work and he wants to show up and he's gonna be like hey look this is me um i i could see i i know we aren't on video but i can see you guys laughing at that and i promise you that was not satirical i genuinely kind of meant that so i guess that that's not going to be the case here honestly i i don't know what the sixers are doing like this is very concerning if you're a sixers fan First, though, honestly, let's talk about, like, you know, the elephant in the room, Ben Simmons. We know that he's done with the team. Honestly, he's, you know, he's not – I don't know what he's doing. You know, you're, you're 
partner Joel Embiid is trying to contact you, you know, multiple times in the offseason, and you're just straight up being a bitch. Like, you're not picking up your calls, not responding to your texts. Like, what are you doing? You know, you've, you've been played with this guy for so many years now, you know, been, been part of a lot of championship runs. I think he at least deserves the respect of, like, getting a text back. Um, but, you know, I think it's safe to say that Ben Simmons has moved on from the Sixers organization. I the, the, Another point is that the Sixers organization is completely delusional at what they think they're going to be getting for Ben Simmons. You know, they say that they want, like, that Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett package when they were sent to the Nets from the Celtics. And I don't think that they're going to be getting that. Um, I've heard of r- rumors that the Warriors and Sixers have been in talks these last couple of days for Ben Simmons. I think that would be very interesting. I don't know how I feel about that as a Warriors fan. But if you want to talk about the Sixers offseason, the only big name that they've really gotten was Andre Drummond, and they lost Dwight Howard to the Lakers. So I think that that was just a huge negative for this team. I don't really understand that move at all. They haven't re-signed Danny Green yet, which is kind of concerning as well. I think they will end up doing it. Um, but you know, Josh, what do you think? I, I'm very concerned. Yeah, I think the Sixers are just like a team that every year they go one step forward, two steps backward. They they were the one seed in the East. They were the one seed in the East this season, but like now, Ben Simmons, like this has turned into like a reality show or like a drama. Ben Simmons was the guy that basically lost in the series. And now he's the diva. He's the guy that's not returning people's calls. He's the one that's like pretending like, oh, I don't want to be with this team. Like, man, this is your fault that we lost. You had an open layup and you passed it up for a free throw that we missed. And that was basically like Joel Embiid said that that was the turning point in the game. So like if I'm Ben Simmons, I lost my team the game. Firstly, you should be apologizing. Secondly, Joel Embiid is very different than management. Like these are your teammates. Usually teammates have each other's backs. They're there for each other. Talk to Joel, apologize. Like, man, this was my fault. Let's get to work this off season. Let's be better. Let's win a championship. If that's not his goal, then get the hell out of Philly. Go to a team that doesn't care about winning. Go to like Charlotte, like no disrespect to Charlotte, but go to a team that just has no championship aspirations because I know Joel Embiid does the way he plays. He wants to win a ring. I don't want to come into the Warriors if his goal is like, yeah, I'm just going to come here and like be that guy. Like, nah, like Warriors are meant to win. The Sixers want to win. If if Ben Simmons doesn't want to do that, then like what is he really trying to aspire for in the NBA? So I think Simmons has to do a lot of work this offseason, not only on his NBA game, but like his mental game. Because we saw that in the playoffs, a lot of his problems were also mental, like like, you know, you guys know what I mean. Like, it was like a mental problem that he had. He was not shooting his free throws. He was like scared to make a layup, scared to dunk. So Simmons is just kind of a big, big question mark for Philly. I don't know what they're going to do because the longer they hold on to him, the lower his trade value gets. But the longer they also hold on him to keep him, the worse his relationship gets. So it's a lose-lose situation for Philly. The best thing I would do is just ship him out for the best package you can get right now. Don't be greedy. Try to get something back and just rebuild around um rebuild around Embiid, not even rebuild, just retool around Embiid. I think that, well, I I understand your approach in terms of like, you know, shipping him out ASAP. I feel that they should have done that before the draft though. Now that the draft is over, now the free agency is kind of like, you know, the dust is kind of settled. Um, I think that it makes sense to keep him and keep him as in like, keep him, let the season start, let him you know, be the player that he is, as long as he's performing the same way, if not better, hopefully by the start of next season, because I think he, he, regardless if he's playing for the Sixers or not, he's, he knows he needs to improve as a player. So the fact that if that happens, once the season kind of progresses, then his value stays the same, 
as it should, or if anything, it goes up. So I think it's in Philly's best interest to just stick it out, gut it out. And probably around like November, December, seeing how the market looks like. We don't know if, if Damian Lillard somehow becomes available. Um, I would, I, for Philly, I would personally take, like, I would give up more if that makes sense. You know, like, you know how they're asking for a lot for Ben Simmons? The only two guys would be probably Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard that I would give Ben Simmons and more. I'd be like, no, they're worth way more than Ben Simmons, of course, you know? And if you get one of those guys, like, it's very arguable to say that the Sixers can for sure compete with the Nets and the Bucks because year in and year out, we see this team, they put a nice roster together. They have a phenomenal regular season. Every time playoffs come around, they, they just choke it away. Just before I talk about Simmons, I just want to say that I made a mistake on Danny Green. They re-signed him to two years, 20 million, um, just a couple of days ago. Um, but for Ben Simmons, Sham, I don't know if I completely agree with you. I think they need to ship this dude out ASAP. I don't maybe wait around until like the season starts, but I don't think there's any way that this dude can be in a Sixers uniform on opening night. There's just no chance. Like the way that this offseason is going for both him and management, like he hasn't even reached out to the team. Like that looks so bad on him, especially. Um, and they've tried contacting him. Uh, he just seems done with the organization at this point. I feel like maybe he thinks he's been betrayed by Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid after those post-game comments after game seven, you know, when they lost. But I think that they had every right to call him out. Like he didn't play to his standards um, in that series, especially. And I think he deserves every bit of criticism. Um, and now he's just kind of copying out. He's taking the easy way out, just trying to like, you know, not cut off contact with the team. So if I'm Daryl Morey sitting, you know, in my executive office, I will somewhat wait to see how this Damian Lillard situation, you know, turns out maybe within this next month. Um, but if it, if it isn't for Dame, you need to like, just ship this dude out ASAP. Yeah, I think I agree because like, Ben Simmons is just like that guy because his relationship is so torn with Joel Embiid. If you don't return his text, it's going to be a very awkward conversation on court playing with each other. Your relationship with management is like torn now. So he's already burned these bridges. And if you were to go back and play for Philly, it'd be a very weird situation for him, for Embiid, the rest of the team. And that's not a cohesive situation that leads to winning. When you have off-court problems, those problems go onto the court and they affect your situation. So that's one thing. And secondly, we see Ben Simmons every single year, every single offseason. He has these videos of him in any gym. He's shooting these fadeaway jumpers. He's shooting threes. And we're like, okay, maybe this is the offseason. Ben Simmons finally hits those jumpers. Ben Simmons finally has offensive game. It just never seems to come around. And that has a lot to do with his work ethic. It's been pretty well documented that Ben Simmons has one of the more poor work ethics of the stars in the league, if you want to call him a star or one of the better young young players in the league he just doesn't have that work ethic that drive to become the best and without that there is nothing motivating him to really push through his problems if he's like eh, I'm, I'm good enough he's getting the bag he's getting the money and if that's all he is in it for who cares if he can't hit a jumper he's a millionaire already he has like everything that he could want except for the rings but if his work ethic isn't there he probably doesn't care about that either. So I just don't see Ben Simmons changing much. And that's why it's a risk for Philly. It's a risk for any other team. And that's why Philly has to get him off the books as soon as possible. Maybe just, yeah. he's just satisfied being generationally wealthy, bro. Like that just could be it, right? That, that, that could be it, right? Like, I mean, there's not Honestly. a problem in that, but if you want to be great, then you have to go with that above and beyond. And I just don't think Ben Simmons has it in him. 
Fair. You know, speaking on, of course, trade requests and stuff like that, one guy that we know is sticking loyal and staying with his team is Bradley Beal. Um, of course, Russell Westbrook did jump ship to the Lakers, but that return was very nice for the Wizards. You know, they got Montrez Harrell, who was sixth man of the year two years ago in his final season with the Clippers, and uh, Kyle Kuzma, KCP. And of course, I think one of the most underrated signings of free agency, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, similar to Clay Thompson, this guy has not even played last season. Of course, Clayton played last two seasons, but I think it's very safe to say that Spencer Dinwiddie is, when he's healthy, he can, he can be a lethal, like very good scorer, um, can drive to the basket, shoot threes, and I, his mid-range is honestly one of the most deceptive things in the game today. I think that this is a very, very good signing for the Wizards. Um, I'm a little bit confused about the direction of the Wizards organization going forward. Uh, I think that, you know, I wasn't sure whether they were just going to completely rebuild, maybe like, maybe around Bradley Beal. Um, and I guess they're doing that now, but in a different way, not really going younger, but just taking talent, which is already, you know, proven in the league. Um, the Nets, you know, they got back a 2024 second round pick um, and a pick swap in 2025. So, you know, it was kind of like a, not really a sign and trade, but, you know, the Nets got some return for Dinwiddie, but it was clear that he wanted to take his talent somewhere else where he can kind of be that second guy. I think after KD, Kyrie, Harden came in, like the, you know, the days of like Spencer Dinwiddie teaming up with D'Lo and Karis LeVert has kind of moved on and he's not going to be that guy in um, Brooklyn anymore. So he's betting on himself. Uh, and I think that the Wizards can be a playoff team next year with KCP, Montrez Harrell, you know, like, they have Dinwiddie as their second guy behind Bradley Beal, but I don't think it's enough for a championship uh, contention for this team, at least next year. Yeah, I think Rohan put that very well. It's the question of like, what direction is this franchise going in? Like, is Bradley Beal like still like wanting to play there? Then you have to go all in. You can't rebuild with someone like Bradley Beal on your team. And if you want to ship him out, you go for a full rebuild and you give up all your veteran assets. Like Montrezl Harrell is like a guy that you would take in if you want to win now. But like Kyle Kuzma is like a younger guy, but he's not like the future of your franchise. So there's a lot of weird pieces in in Washington right now. And I just don't know how they fit. They have some decisions to make. I think they're not done with this offseason. Like they're going to make some few trades here and there. And th there could be the bomb that drops that Bradley Beal wants out. And that still could be something that we look to before the season starts. But I, I do think Washington has a decision to make. And that decision has to be has to be made sooner rather than later because Bradley Beal is just getting older by the day. And the quicker you um, quicker you give him up, if that's what you decide to do, the quicker the assets you get back, the younger the assets you get back. And now you can restart your rebuild a little bit faster and really go in all in with a new set of guys and not like the Bradley Beal types of the world who you really didn't have much of a shot with. And just to finish my point, this team, if they did go all in with it, I don't see them even coming close to the top of the East. Like they're not competing with the Nets or the Bucks. They're not even competing with the Heat or the Bulls that we talked so much about today. So it's like a very iffy situation. You want to go in for that first round exit again. You could make the fans in Washington happy that you got a playoff run or just fully rebuild, go in and go for that championship aspirations in like the next five to 10 years, because that's what fans really want to see. I think that it's really arguable to say that um, this team right now, this roster, it looks better than the roster last year. And that doesn't, that's not, that's not subject to say that this team will go farther than they did last year. I just think that on paper, just how things are looking, they just seem like they can have more chemistry and they allow Bradley Beal to still be the main guy. 
Um, you know, having Westbrook last year, um, it was it was cool. It was explosive. You could say, you know, just to see just to see Westbrook and Beal together. It was it was a fun experiment while it lasted for this you know a mere season. But I think that now they've made this. This is Bradley Beal's team. I think it was the first time in his career because you know he always had John Wall and he had Westbrook, but that I believe is that one or two seasons in between where Wall was injured. It was just Beal. Like we just noticed. Like I mean, we've always known how good Beal is, but it's just a very different type of approach to the game that he has. And I think that the approach that Washington is kind of giving right now is, I want to say it's again, it's not on the scale of Milwaukee or Brooklyn. It's just that. It's just that it's so easy to point out that one guy that's so important to the team. You know, it's Giannis and it's KD. Despite having Harden and Kyrie over there, you know it's still KD. That just shows how good he is. But um, now in Washington, though, you know it's Beal. There is no, like, it's not that there is no number two. It's just that you know there's a blatant number one, and that is their leader. That is their guy, and they're going to build around him. So I feel like they're taking that approach now because they've tried bringing in an all-star, tried doing this, trying to do that. Um, it would surprise me if somehow they orchestrate some crazy move to land a Ben Simmons maybe because I think that's the only like play I understand that Ben Simmons is not amazing and you know whatever it is but I think that a change of scenery for a guy like him and if the if Philly does move him sooner than later then um you know they could they could flip you know guys like maybe KCP Harrell um Kyle Kuzma something like that in a package with draft picks figure figure something out that's kind of fair for both sides where Ben Simmons it's could. Like, um, Philly is not going to take that package. The package that they were asking for. The I know. Yeah, like, no, Philly, Philly's absurd right now. Right. Like, like we know that they're not, they're not getting whatever they're asking for right now. But, you know, I think that, you know, like you were saying, Yash, if, if they need to move them sooner than later, it just kind of comes down to, all right, what's the best deal we could do right now. And I think that the wizards out of all the teams in the league right now, because they haven't had any of these guys play yet, but the Wizards seem like a team that's willing to flip some assets because they got that young core to get another guy for a deal. I think it would be interesting to see that. Uh, I don't see it happening just because I believe that they are committed to Dinwiddie. I, I think that Dinwiddie would have to be involved in the package if they were to get Ben Simmons. And I still don't see that happening. I could be wrong. Um, but I think, you know, the Warriors are probably like right now, if I were to like name a team that Ben Simmons is most likely to go to, it would be the Warriors just based off all the talks of, you know, reports that they want to, they've been interested in talking with Daryl Morey, you know, Bob Myers, Daryl Morey have had conversations about that. So Ben Simmons carousel continues through this offseason. I just don't know when it's going to end, honestly. Yeah, we can talk about like the Ben Simmons trauma for days on end and you really don't know what's going to happen there, but if they were to trade Ben Simmons to um, Washington, Spencer Dinwiddie has to be a part of that package. But I just don't see Washington having enough assets in their repertoire that Philly would really desire for someone like Ben Simmons. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough, honestly. But um, I think it's 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 a good time to kind of wrap up over here. But if you guys have one winner in free agency, who is it? The Bulls. The Bulls. I okay. I think, yeah, I think Bulls I, I think as well. All right. Yeah, cool. I mean, I, I agree with that too. Damn, we're all in the same clean sweep over here. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, Chicago. Yeah, Chicago that tells you how good, good Chicago was this offseason. Chicago looks good, dude. Like, I'm, I'm very, very excited. You know, Zach Levine, one of the most lethal scorers in the league, so underrated. Same thing with I, th- I think that it's safe to say that the Bulls as a team is underrated because they've put a roster of underrated players. Like, 
like I don't think people give enough credit for um, just how good Lonzo can be, um, how good Damar is, and how good Levine is. And then everyone just seems to forget about Vucevic because um, the NBA, the trend is you always look at the guys that are scoring, making the shots. People forget about the big men. And I, I think, think Vucevic is one of the most traditional big men of the league. I think Vucevic is probably one of the most underrated players in the league. Man's yeah. close to 50, 40, 90. He averaged 20 and 12 last season. Like that's everything we can ask for a big man in today's NBA. And he is the perfect fit in literally any system in any team. It's because he was in Orlando, bro. Remember when I told you that people who go to Orlando, like their careers just die? Like I remember that. That was, that was, that was the reason. Rest in peace getting, to those draft picks. He wasn't getting respect, you know, honestly, um, in Orlando. And I think I'm glad that he's giving his, he's going to get his chance to shine this season, especially with, you know, the team that they've loaded up. So like yeah, no. Scotty Barnes, his career's over already. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no Jalen Jalen sucks, Jalen sucks bro. Not, Jalen sucks. Oh, not right. Scotty Barnes. My bad, my bad. <laughs> Come on, this isn't the mock draft. Mock draft happens, happens, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, maybe maybe Scotty Barnes' career is over too in Toronto. You don't know. They're probably in a rebuild too. But you know, that's that's all that we got for you guys today. Stay tuned for more at the panels.pod. Uh, Rohan and I definitely got you guys covered with the NFL season right around the corner. So exciting stuff over there. Um, I hope, I hope Yash could maybe join us for any of those NFL episodes. We got to We got to get him on the hype over there, but <laughs> definitely we got you, we got you covered for NBA for sure. I know Yash knows what he's talking about the NBA. So we'll, we'll keep him on board over here. For that. Well, we gotta get some MLB podcasts in too. Soon. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see later down the stretch. I don't know. Maybe a little sneak peek, but that's all we got for you guys. Stay safe from where the panels dot pod.